RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. Police prepare a major operation to stop any kind of gathering to mark tomorrow's June 4th anniversary. An overseas activist group says its website is back online after police attempted to get its host to remove it and that children as young as 12 are to be offered the BioNTech vaccine if their parents agree. Police sources say as many as 7,000 officers will be deployed across the SAR tomorrow night as they attempt to stop any gathering. Priscilla Owen reports. In a statement, the police called on people not to take part in any unauthorised assemblies, saying the force will deploy enough manpower to enforce the law swiftly and make arrests. Sources told RTHK that more officers have been called up after appeals for people to gather in different locations around the SAR, including Mong Kok, Chim Sha Choi and Sha Tin, as well as the traditional venue for the June 4th candlelight vigil, Victoria Park. For a second year in a row, the vigil organizers have been denied permission for the gathering, with the authorities citing the coronavirus pandemic. Police sources say people dressed in black, chanting slogans or lighting candles near the park may be considered to be there in connection with the banned assembly. Members of an overseas-based pro-democracy group say the SAR's National Security Police temporarily succeeded in having their website removed by its host. The website was back online tonight. Joanne Wong has more. Former lawmaker Nathan Law wrote on social media that the Australian company that hosted Hong Kong Charter's website, Wix, had removed it. He shared a letter on police-headed notepaper that he said was sent to the Israeli company. It orders Wix to disable messages that are suspected of violating the national security law within 72 hours or risk prosecution. The letter cites offenses of secession, subversion, colluding with foreign forces and incitement. The charter, launched in March, calls for democracy and autonomy for the SAR, as well as international intervention. The Security Bureau warned at the time that the security law has extraterritorial effect and violators anywhere would be prosecuted. Mr. Law, who moved to London when the security law was implemented, said the request showed the long arm of Beijing's influence. Mr. Law said Wicks had told him the website was removed accidentally. The police declined to comment on individual cases. The government has given the go-ahead for children as young as 12 to receive the BioNTech vaccine with details of when they can start getting inoculated to be announced next week. Parental consent is required. The Health Secretary, Sophia Chan, made the decision to lower the minimum age from 16 on the advice of an expert panel. She concluded that the benefits outweigh the risks. Paediatrician Alvin Chan, who is also a council member of the Medical Association, said that data provided by BioNTech shows that the vaccine is highly effective in young people, adding that all available evidence indicates it is safe for this group. The BioNTech had a 100% efficacy and uh, robust antibody responses. And then uh, that's even better than the results uh, from the age group of uh, 16 to 25 uh, from the third phase clinical trial, it seems that it's safe. They don't record any significant side effects. Hong Kong has now gone more than 40 days without an untraceable local COVID-19 infection. Health authorities today reported one imported case. The patient is a 37-year-old Indonesian foreign domestic helper who arrived here on Sunday. She was in quarantine at Silka Far East Hotel in Chinwan. And there are fewer than five preliminary positive cases.
The Commerce Ministry in Beijing says that normal communication with the United States has resumed over trade. The BBC's Stephen McDonnell reports from Beijing. The Chinese government is clearly holding out hope that trade talks will pave the way for a more general easing of tensions between Beijing and Washington. Front-page stories in the local press have covered the two rounds of high-level US-China dialogue, which took place via video link over less than a week. Vice Premier Liu He spoke to US Trade Representative Catherine Tai, then Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. According to China's Commerce Ministry, this represents a resumption of normal discussions between the world's economic giants, with both sides agreeing to seek common ground. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is just coming up to five minutes past 11. People who are fully vaccinated can sign up from the 15th of this month for a lucky draw to win a flat offered by property developers. Violet Wong reports. Permanent adult residents who have received two doses of vaccine by September the 1st can register for the chance to win a one-bedroom flat valued at almost 11 million at a Grand Central Development in Kuntong. Sino Group's Ntang Fong Charitable Foundation and Chinese Estates Holdings say they will also pay the stamp duty, registration and legal fees for the 47th floor flat, as well as the management fee for the first year. People will be able to register for the lucky draw on a new website launched by the organisers or do so in person at different malls across the city. The winner, along with those of 20 prepaid or credit cards loaded with a value of $100,000, will be announced on September the 8th. Separately, the Association of Banks says its members are organising another lucky draw for fully vaccinated people to win spending credits or vouchers worth $100,000 each. Researchers from the Chinese University have found that only one in four people plan to get vaccinated in the next six months, and the figure is even lower among young adults between the ages of 18 and 39. About 1,200 people were interviewed in the study, and researchers found that the key to overcome vaccine hesitancy is not just to offer incentives, but also for medical experts to clear up misconceptions about inoculation. Here's Paul Chan, a professor of microbiology, who led the research. When we try to explain health information to the public, it cannot be one-for-all kind of uh, information. It has to be individualized according to the background in terms of their health condition, their education. And in this situation, only doctors can do the best job. The fire services department says that large amounts of scrap metal on board a burning barge off Qingyi made it harder for them to control the blaze, which choked the West Kowloon area overnight. As Wang Yinting reports, it took firefighters almost 15 hours to put out the flames. The fire broke out on a barge near Stonecutters Island yesterday evening and was finally put out this morning. The fire services department said they are still investigating the cause of the fire, adding that more than 30 fire trucks, nine fire boats and almost 200 firemen and rescue workers had been deployed to the scene. No one was injured in the place. Commander Yu Man Yuan from the department's Marine and Diving Division said the 100-meter barge was carrying over 3,000 tons of scrap metal, 
which made the operation extremely challenging. Because there was a lot of scrap metal stocked up on the vessel, just like a mountain, our water and fire extinguishing foam couldn't reach the source of the blaze directly, which made our work more difficult. Mr. Yu added that a malfunctioning water pump on the vessel, coupled with strong winds and high waves, made it even more difficult for firefighters to control the flames. The department had earlier warned residents in West Kowloon and Tingyi to close their doors and windows because of the acrid smoke coming from the blaze. Ms Chen, who lives in Shamshui Po, said there was a strong smell of burning plastic throughout the night. And at around 10-something, I started turning on the air conditioner, but still I could smell burning plastic. Initially, I thought some road workers were adding paraffin oil to the road or something, but the smell of burning plastic was actually similar to that. Although the Environmental Protection Department said it had recorded a jump in suspended particulates in the area, authorities said they did not receive any reports of people feeling unwell. Across the border, relatives of some of those killed in Beijing in 1989 say they believe Hong Kong people will continue to find ways to mourn the victims, even if they can't hold the traditional June 4th vigil. Timmy Sung reports. Speaking to RTHK in Beijing, the spokeswoman for the Tenement Mothers Group, Yo Wei Jie, said while she could understand the authorities banning the June 4th rally on public health grounds, it would not be acceptable if it was because of national security concerns. Banning the rally for reasons other than relating to the epidemic, I think, would be against humanity. The Hong Kong government should not intervene. We have to see how the government will handle the candlelight vigil in the future. A founding member of the group, Zhang Xianling, said she had already expected the authorities to ban the memorial one day. I had already expected sooner or later the government would intervene, would stop people from commemorating June 4th. Hong Kong now has the power, the strength, or it thinks the time has come to stop the vigil and wants people to forget about it. But Ms. Chang says she has faith in Hong Kong people. Perhaps the candlelight vigil can't be held. But I believe in the hearts of Hong Kong people, there will always be a candlelight, a righteous candlelight. Even if there's no rally at Victoria Park, people will be remembering them in their hearts and mourn for the victims. Ms. Chang says she believes the group will still be able to visit the graves of their loved ones this year, albeit under the watchful eyes of the authorities. Overseas, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says all right-wing members of parliament must oppose a planned new government, which he described as left-wing and dangerous. Mr Netanyahu was speaking for the first time since opposition leaders struck a deal on a coalition that would oust him. Here's the BBC's Alan Johnston. Former lawmaker Nathan Law wrote on social media... I'm sorry, we can't bring you that voice at the moment. India's Supreme Court has strongly criticised the government's coronavirus vaccination programme, calling it arbitrary and irrational. The BBC's Electra Naismith has more details. The vaccine rollout doesn't make sense. Why are jabs for over 45s free, while younger age groups have to pay? 
Why have a procurement policy that means state governments pay a higher price for vaccines than the central government, competing, say critics, on the open market? And why, judges ask, is it mandatory to register on an app for a jab in a country where many don't have access to the internet? The government's opened up vaccinations for nearly a billion eligible Indians without anywhere near the required supply. The Supreme Court wants answers. It's given the government two weeks to provide them. Now a look at sport. The president of Tokyo 2020 says she is 100% certain the Olympics will go ahead next month. It's already been decided that no overseas fans or the family and friends of athletes will be allowed to attend. And Saiko Hashimoto said organisers must be prepared to ban domestic fans too if the coronavirus situation worsens in the Japanese capital. For the athletes and the stakeholders, they will be inside a bubble and this is how we envisage protecting and defending their health. If an outbreak should happen during the Games that amounts to a crisis or an emergency situation, then I believe we must be prepared to have these Games without any spectators. More than 80% of Japanese don't want the Games to go ahead, and thousands of Olympic volunteers have resigned. One of them, Jonathan Kiyama, said he needed to make a protest at the Games going ahead against the backdrop of rising Covid cases. The medical system is strained due to the coronavirus, so if they were to hold the Olympics and the infection spreads, who would take responsibility? Medical personnel will be put in an even more difficult situation, and I think this is an issue. But the biggest reason is because it's belittling human lives. Ms. Hashimoto said the Games were needed to bring together a world disconnected by the pandemic. Now a look at basketball and the Philadelphia 76ers, the Atlanta Hawks and the Utah Jazz are through to the next round of the NBA playoffs. All of them knocked out their first round opponents in five games. In Salt Lake City, Donovan Mitchell scored 30 points, leading the Jazz to a 126-110 win over the Memphis Grizzlies in Game 5. Atlanta beat the Knicks in New York 103-89, thanks to 36 points by Trey Young. The Hawks next face the Sixers, who ended the Washington Wizards season with a 129-112 win, behind 30 points by Seth Curry. Russell Westbrook of the Wizards had 24 points in a losing effort. We should be proud of the, the way we played this season. We, we fought through a lot of ups and downs, adversity, injuries, COVID. So we should be proud of the way we, um, as a team collectively, you know, fought. That's a good team on the other side. And, uh, you know, good luck to them. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. Please prepare a major operation to stop any kind of gathering to mark tomorrow's June 4th anniversary. An overseas activist group says its website is back online after police attempted to get its house to remove it. And that children as young as 12 are to be offered the BioNTech vaccine if their parents agree. And that's news from RTHK. Mm-hmm.